Hello, and welcome to the South Edmonton Church of Christ. Uh, this video is intended for March 29th, 2020, and it's going to be from the book of Philippians, chapter 2. Now, you probably have found yourself a bit more indoors than what you typically are. For example, you're watching this video instead of likely going out and, and uh, taking part in a typical church service as you would. Well, because of that, I don't know that I have a good explanation for why this is the case, but it does seem that we oftentimes have a harder time being nice to our own family. You know, those who are closest to us, those that we really deeply care about the most, we sometimes have a difficult time showing Christ-like examples. So this morning, we're going to take a look at what it means to, to be like Christ. Uh, this might turn into a series at some point about just being like Christ and what that really means. This morning, specifically, we're going to look at the mind of Christ. And I love Philippians 2 whenever it comes to this. So let's dive in together. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. Now, you know, already Paul is, is giving us this, this high calling for what we are supposed to be. This example about how we're not supposed to be conceited. We're not supposed to be all about ourselves. No, we're supposed to be thinking about other people, valuing their, uh, really valuing them above our own, their own interest above our interest. So what does that look like? Well, it looks a lot like what Christ gave us an example of. So now in verses five through eight, we're going to see this call that we've been given to have the same mindset, the same mind as Christ. What does that look like? What did Christ's mind look like? Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you want to know what Christ's mind looked like? The type of mindset that Christ had? Take a look. Right there, verses 5 through 8, we see what Jesus Christ went through. Now specifically, I want to draw your attention to kind of three different phrases. And if you want to look at these as kind of subpoints as being like Christ and having the same mindset as Christ, you can do that. So these three things right here. We see three phrases. We see talking about Christ, that he was being in very nature God. Then the next phrase, he made himself nothing. The next phrase, by becoming obedient to death. It's kind of interesting when you take each of these three phrases and, and for a moment, just not reading the in-between, but just noticing this is what the mind of Christ looks like. That he was being in very nature God, he made himself nothing by becoming obedient to death. What does that look like and how does that make sense? Now let's kind of dive into each one of these. First off, by being 
in very nature God. Jesus is something that that he shares a lot about what it means to be a better human for us. But there's also some differences too, because he himself, his very nature was that of God. Uh, our nature is, well, we're a human, so it's a little different, but yet we can still learn from this mindset of Christ. See, Jesus, he did not consider equality with God. And I love how the NIV phrases this in verse six. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, I would invite you to, to take a look at other Bible translations. Maybe you get online and, and take a look at a few different translations and see how they translate verse six. Because some of the ways that people have translated this verse might kind of surprise you, some of the words that show up there, because they're trying to get to the mindset of, of what Christ really had and what Christ really did right here. How can he be God, but yet he's not considering equality with God something to hold on to, something to be used to his own advantage? Just keep looking at those translations and you'll notice some interesting things and maybe also dive into uh, a little bit of commentaries too and try to, to look at what this phrase really means. Personally, I love how the NIV translates this because I think this is uh, really the best way to say it, that this equality with God, okay, he was God. His very nature is God, but he did not consider this equality with God kind of to his own advantage. So I guess the same way we could apply uh, something like this to have the same mindset in ourselves is what type of high position has God perhaps placed you in? And are you going to be humble about that? Or are you going to use it to your own advantage and maybe even take advantage of other people? See, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't take advantage of other people. No, he didn't even use equality with God to his own advantage. No, no, no. What he did is found in verse seven. He made himself nothing. Now, this phrase also, we, we've got to understand this phrase properly too, because notice the other phrases that are connected with making himself nothing. See, making himself nothing, it doesn't mean that he considered himself worthless. It doesn't mean that he was being uh, all negative and mean to himself and he just kind of wanted to die. That's not what it means that he made himself nothing. Okay, by him making himself nothing, what that means is he had equality with God. His very nature was God, but he made himself nothing. What he did was he practiced humility. How did he do that? Well, he became a human being. Now, you likely understand this already, but let's face it. If somebody is just coming into learning about Christianity, these things are, are something that they're going to perhaps have a little bit of difficulty with. with. I mean, how can God be the Father and also the Son? And then how can Jesus be in the nature of God, but not consider equality with God, uh, you know, something he's going to hang over everybody else? No, 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 he's going to make himself nothing. He's going to be humble and he's going to become a human. How does that all work? It's kind of difficult. I will give you that to, to understand, but I believe it's so important and it's so crucial to understanding who Christ was and who Christ is for us today as well. So he made himself nothing, this type of humility. He was God, he was equal with God, but now he's a human being. Okay, well, what does that mean? Verse eight, also another thing of what he did, this humility, he took it so far, this obedience that he combined with that is, he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. So his obedience was, he wasn't gonna consider his own life worth more than than those people around us. No, he actually considered our lives more important than his own life. That's why he sacrificed his life in our place. Because of our sin, 
he himself took on that sin. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death. and He died on a cross. Now, once again, if you're just hearing these things for the first time, it can be difficult. Okay, so this man who you say is God, but he is a man, and he died. How can God die? You know, you start to look at this progression, and it can be a little bit um, hard to take in. But keep in mind, once you get to the bottom about him becoming obedient to this death, go back to the top and recognize these things again. He was, in the very nature, God. He himself was God. He was equal with God. But he lowered himself. He became a human being. And he died for us. That's his obedience that he had. But then now we can kind of see how God himself can do these things because of, of what he did. He became a human being in the process. And that part of him being a human being is so important to us because we can relate with him on a different level now because he knows what it's like. Um, of course, there's a little bit of differences between him and us because we ourselves are not God. We're made in the image of God, just like Adam and Eve were all the way back in Genesis. However, we ourselves are not God. We don't have equality with God. However, we are called to be like Christ. Okay, so that's what it means to have the same mindset as Christ. Let's keep looking, though, because there's more in Philippians 2 that we can learn from. Another phrase I want to draw your attention to is that it is God who works in you. So in the midst of what you're doing, likely spending a whole lot of time at home and around uh, specifically just you know your own family group right now, Keep in mind, it's God who works in you. You might not understand how he's going to work in you, what it's going to look like. Don't worry about all of those things. Just recognize it's God who works in you. Let's see how this uh, plays out here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. And this is right after this mindset of Christ is what he did. Now we get this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you look at this passage here. And we see that because of this mindset of Christ and because he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, God exalted him. God exalted him to the absolute highest place. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue is going to confess all to the glory of God the Father. These are things that we can actively be involved in right now. I know we can't always come together in worship at this time. But we can still come together around this truth, that every knee is going to bow. We should be doing that right now. Every tongue is going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. We should be doing that right now, all the while giving God the glory for everything that we have done. Being obedient to God. Whenever people are looking out and whenever we don't necessarily see people looking out at us and, and noticing what's happening. That's what Paul is getting at here, that it's not just that they obeyed whenever he was present with them. No, no, no. Even when he's away, they are still obeying no matter what. And I really do like this phrase. And I also even thought about 
drawing our attention to this phrase here in verse 12 about continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, I think it is so important for us to recognize that is part of us. Working with God is that we continue to work out the salvation that we have with fear and trembling because this is a very serious matter. And I, I almost kind of went with that as, as to drawing our attention. However, if you remember, the phrase I did go with was found in verse 13, that it is God who works in you. See, I believe this is a little bit more of a, of a positive message for us to realize. Is that other true about how we have to have, uh, you know, our salvation with fear and trembling and need to be working out that salvation with fear and trembling? Yeah, that's true. Of course that's true. But it's God who works in you. It's God who does these things. It's not just, you know, us, because I, I fear that sometimes when we look at verse 12 and we see about that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we think of something, well, I've got to do. Well, yeah, it's something that you've got to do, but it's God that's working in you. See, it's Christ who gives you strength. That's another familiar uh, passage from the Apostle Paul. But it is so true. It is Christ who gives us strength. It's God who works within us. It's not as if you can work hard enough to be able to truly receive your own salvation. Your salvation is 100% dependent upon Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. However, our salvation is also dependent upon us working with God and allowing God to work in us so that these things can be accomplished, so that God's good purpose can be accomplished. Specifically, that's what stayed, uh, that's what stayed in verse 13. So what does it mean about being like Christ and having the same mind of Christ here? It means that we ourselves need to be obedient that we need to allow God to work in us and to work through us. The third and the final phrase that I want us to see, I think paints a beautiful picture. And maybe, you know, as, as the night skies come and, and maybe you might spend a little bit more time looking at those night skies and noticing the stars in them, there's a particular phrase that shows up in verse 15 of our text. And that is, like stars in the sky. Kind of this example of what we are called to be. I, I love the the image of light and darkness because I think that it's one that's just you know so easy to understand. I mean even a child can understand the difference in a room whenever you have the lights on and whenever the lights are off. Okay that whenever the lights are off you can't see clearly. You might stumble, you might fall into things, you might get hurt. However when the lights are on there's a bit of safety, there's a bit of security, there's light able to see what truly is around us. That is such a wonderful image of what God has done for us, that he's brought light into the world and allowed us to see what this world is all about. And maybe those dark and scary places of the world, now we can see with better light and notice what the reality truly is. Okay, uh, enough of that. Let's take a look at this specific text here from Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verses 14 through 18. Now let's see how this phrase is used. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. 
So what the Apostle Paul is telling us here is that we have this call, that we should be people who are doing everything without this grumbling or arguing. Now, I'm not going to ask you to re respond to this, but just think about it. That phrase in verse 14, to do everything without grumbling or arguing, how well has that described how you've interacted with your own family here recently? How well has that act? How well has that uh, played out in how you've acted with maybe just kind of certain news that you've had to hear? Perhaps other restraints and different restrictions that have been placed upon you uh, during this troubling time. Have you been able to still do everything without grumbling or arguing? Because really, we have a whole lot to still be thankful for in this country. We still have a whole lot that God has blessed us with, that God has blessed you with. And we have this calling in verse 15, that we are called to become blameless and pure. Notice right here that he doesn't just say that we already are those things. No, that we may become blameless and pure. This is what we should be. We should be these children of God without this fault in a warped and crooked generation. Now, I'm sure that Paul, whenever he, he used these phrases, that he could see, well, yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And this is so fitting to the world in which I live. But guess what? We today can also say the same thing about the world in which we live, that this describes the world that we are a part of, that we are within. But what are we going to do about it? Well, what we are called to do is to shine among them like stars in the sky. Just like it's so important to, to be able to even find your way and to be able to, to, to go uh, to the correct places by looking at the stars during the nighttime. That's what we as Christians are called to be are these stars in this world to help point the direction toward the true light, to Jesus Christ himself, to God the Father, to the Holy Spirit who is doing mighty things in the world today. This is what we've been called to. We've been called to be like the stars in the sky. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? Does that describe Christians at this time? That's our calling. That's what God wants us to be. That's what the mind of Christ is all about. So this morning, I hope that you will take this message to heart. I hope that you will take it and instill it in your mind even. Okay, let's just go ahead and use the, the language like what Paul used. That being like Christ, it means having the same mindset that Christ had. And from Philippians 2, we see these three phrases that are so important. That we are called to have the same mindset as Christ. That it is God who works in you. And we are to be like the stars the sky. Please, let's do this. Let's have the same mind of Christ and let's show others and point them to the true light.